Hello, I'm Dr. Shantae, and welcome to Believing Bigger Podcast. I love this job. I do. It's not a job. It's like, this is, I don't know. You know how they say, like, um, I would do this even if they didn't pay me, and I don't get paid, so obviously I must love it. I mean, anything that you spend, like, time and money in, because time is a non-renewable resource, you must love it. So we are in our Job series. We are in part two of the series, and I know that part one probably took some of y'all out, but stay with me. (laughs) We got two more episodes in this series. And so this one is called Why Me, okay? Because in episode one of this series, we talked about how Job, you know, just kind of took it like a G, right? He he took it on the chin, and when he lost his his property and his possessions and his children. And then Job gets sick. And this is, I said, you know, this is a 42 chapter book. And so obviously there's a lot that goes on between that first and that 42nd chapter. So even though Job initially had an amicable response, Job really goes through. And so now we're going to talk about what that means. What does it mean to go through? And so As we start the second part of this series, we start with Job chapter 7, verses 16 through 20, which say, I despise my life. I would not live forever. Let me alone. My days have no meaning. What is mankind that you make so much of them, that you give them so much attention, that you examine them every morning and test them every moment? Will you never look away from me? Or let me alone even for an instant? If I have sinned against you, what have I done to you? You who see everything we do. Why have you made me your target? Have I become a burden to you? Job is in his feelings right now. Job is is going off and he's going off on God. And so in this episode, we're going to talk about stages of grief because Job goes through anger, bargaining, depression, and we'll bear that out. And then we're going to talk about bad advice, Job's friends blaming the victim. And we're going to end with God is not man, because we need to recognize that we are not on level playing field with the almighty. So stages of grief. So here we are in chapter seven, and I'm going to start with anger. Job says, what is mankind that you make so much of them, that you give them so much attention, that you examine them every morning and test them every moment? Will you never look away from me or let me alone even for an instant? In other words, Job is saying, don't you have better things to do? He said, Lord, there's so much going on in the world. There's so many shady people. There's so many people out there in need. What? Wh- why are you looking in my direction? Don't you have better things to do? Don't you have worthier causes to pursue? Don't you have some, some villains you need to prosecute? Why are you looking at me? He tells God, leave me alone. Leave me alone. He says, I'm angry. He said, what, what am I to you? Why am I so important to you that you would focus on me, that that you would turn your attentions to me? He said, have I become a burden to you? So Job is, is angry. And then 
he starts to bargain. Okay. So this is a long book. So I'm going to skip all the way to chapter 31. And, and I encourage you believers to read it for yourselves. I really could spend a lot of time in Job, but we don't have that kind of time. Okay. We don't have that kind of time, not for this uh, limited space that we have in the podcast. So in chapter 31, I'm going to talk about bargaining. Job is bargaining. And he starts to try to rationalize this out in his head. And this is the same thing that we do. What I'm trying to show you believers is that Job is us. We really can't come down too hard on Job because I know that we see ourselves in Job's emotions. And so in the 31st chapter, Job is bargaining. He says, if I have walked with falsehood or my feet was hurried after deceit, let God weigh me in honest scales. If my heart has been enticed by a woman or if I have lurked at my neighbor's door, then may my wife grind another man's grain and may other men sleep with her. He's saying, look, if I had done X, let my punishment be Y. If I was lying, if I was shady, if I was just out there doing this and think about it, think about how often we do this. When we are going through trials, how often do we say, now I could see if I was like so-and-so. Those fools out there doing A, B, C, and D, but I go to church every Sunday. I'm paying my tithes. I'm going to work. You know, I, I could see that, don't we? That's how we do. Job believes that God is being unreasonable, so he tries to bargain with him. He's like, look, Lord, if I'm committing any of these crimes, then let my punishment be X, Y, and Z. He's saying, listen, the punishment does not fit the crime, okay? If, if I have done something under this scope of impropriety, then I think that my punishment should be this, but not where I lose everything, not where I'm battling these health issues. I could see if I was some other person doing some shady things and all this other type of stuff, but I'm the victim here. They came and stole my stuff. And this is us, believers. This is us. This is us. When we're going through, we wonder why me and not some other person that's out there doing some dastardly, wicked, low down stuff. And then depression. So stages of grief. I want to talk about depression because depression is real. And a lot of times we are so good at masking depression because we're functioning, right? We going to work every day and we going to church on Sundays and we in charge of this ministry and we doing this with that group. And it just looked like everything is hidey ho. We are amazing at masking our suffering. But on the inside, a lot of times when you're going through, OK, especially in the way that Job is going through these words that he says are familiar to you. He says, I despise my life. I would not live forever. Let me alone. My days have no meaning. If I have sinned, what have I done to you? You who see everything we do. Why have you made me your target? Have I become a burden to you? Think about that. Think about how contrary that is to what we know of God. Think about how contrary that is. Now, let me tell you, my pastor has this saying about God. He said, God is long suffering. He says, God is long suffering because the way that God operates, he does not whoop on us the minute we step out. Like <laughs> he says, okay, 
I'm, I'm trying to give you time to get it together. Okay. The Bible says that God is long suffering. The Bible says that he loves us. The Bible says that he's full of mercy. And so Job is asking these questions that are so contrary to what he knows in his heart and what we know in our hearts to be the character of God. But yet when you're going through, you're going through. This is not about logic. This is not about how we should should be acting. This is how we do act. It's not how we should be feeling. This is how we do feel. In other words, this too much. <laughs> this too much. Y'all know that that meme that has Monique on there where she's shaking her head, this too much. That's what Job was saying. He said, this is too much. He said, I can't take it. Lord, I can't handle it. I, I don't know what you thought about me or, or what I did to deserve this, but Lord, I cannot handle this. And so here's the thing. Believers, depression is real. We don't always understand how God could choose us for the battles that we face. And we start to wonder if there really is a God and how he could allow X, Y, and Z. And so I know that there are some people, like in the news, they have these these interest stories about the hurricane victims. And they say that there was a victim who had left Katrina, who had left New Orleans to move to Houston because they lost everything in New Orleans and now they've lost everything in Houston. And I just want to want to pause for a moment and I just want you to take that in because we live in the Midwest. I live in the Midwest in Chicago and a lot of people left Chicago, have left Chicago in droves and run down to the south. In Chicago, we don't understand losing our home in a snowstorm. <laughs> we don't know about that life. So this is very real. And we don't always understand how God chooses us or allows these things to happen. And when we look at those who are doing great wrong, yet they don't seem to suffer, we get mad. We are so mad. We like, what? And we can list off all kinds of offenders and all kinds of people doing shady stuff and, and everything seems to be going all right with them. And yet we get angry. But I have a word for that too. My foot almost slipped. So in Psalms, he says, my foot almost slipped when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, but their end is destruction. Believers, when you're in the now, when you're in the moment, when you are in the thick of your suffering or in the process of your going through, please understand that you are not at the end of the story. You're not at the end of the story. Just because you see somebody that has it going on right now, if the Bible says their end is destruction, then their end is destruction. And so you can't compare your suffering to somebody else's prosperity and tell God it's not fair. Because you don't know the whole story. Which brings us to bad advice. So one of the things that the book of Job is famous for is bad advice that he receives from three of his friends, Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar. And their advice to him goes on for chapters and chapters and chapters. But essentially, it all boils down to blaming Job for what's going on in his life. And it says, one of his friends, uh, in chapter eight, sorry, chapter eight and nine, he says, does God pervert justice? Does the almighty pervert what is right? When your children sinned against him, he gave them over to the penalty of their sin. 
But if you will seek God earnestly and plead with the Almighty, if you are pure and upright, even now he will rouse himself on your behalf and restore to you your prosperous state. In other words, Job, you can't be blameless because if you was, this wouldn't be happening to you. People have all kinds of opinions about the theology behind what's going on in your life. Well, if you were Christian, then doesn't God say this? Well, if you were Christian, shouldn't you act like that? Well, if you were Christian, look, <laughs> there's a difference between knowing of God and having a relationship with God. Okay. And a lot of times the people that give you advice might be people that know of God, but don't necessarily have a relationship with God. And their pitch to him was, look, you know, you did it. Just admit it. They thought that that Job had some deep down secret sin. Like, yeah, I know you walking around here like you Mr. Perfect, but you must got something going on in the booth in the back in the corner of the dark. Otherwise, this wouldn't be happening to you. So he said, you know, you did it. Just admit it. Apologize and move on. So think about this, believers. Okay. When you think about the friends that are giving bad advice, I also want you to, to, to evaluate the way that you give advice to people that are going through or the way that you evaluate and judge people that are going through. So how often do we blame the victim instead of showing compassion? Because sometimes we really do walk around like we are so righteous. We really do walk around like we just got it going on, like we walking on the water down by the creek. You know, how often do we judge things that we just do not understand, that we don't fully understand? And we say things like, well, if they hadn't moved down to Texas, really? Well, if she hadn't have been drinking and smoking. So here in the Chicago area, and this story has made national news, young woman, Kanika Jenkins, she was found dead in a freezer. And oh my gosh, so much condemnation has come down on that child. Well, if she hadn't have been, well, if she hadn't have been, did she do anything that deserved death? Who are we to say that? Who are we to make that kind of, of condemnation? Well, if she had better friends or or the people that are being out here being gunned down and, and police brutality and violence. Well, if he wasn't trying to resist arrest or, or entrepreneurs, believers, because so many of us are trying to go out there and build businesses and platforms. Well, if you hadn't upped and quit your job, think about how often do we exercise judgment instead of exercising compassion. And when we're offering, quote unquote, advice to friends, okay, or advice to other believers. And I want to caution you. I want to pull you over to the New Testament for a quick minute to Matthew 7, which says, do not judge or you too will be judged. And that's the part that everybody knows, right? But I want to push you down into, into verse two, because that's the one that really ought to make you stop short and measure your words when you are, are talking about how you're dispensing advice to people who are suffering. The Bible says in verse two in Matthew seven, for in the same way that you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. My granny used to say, keep living, keep living. You talking about folks now, well, if they hadn't it is, well, if they hadn't it that, like you ain't never done no dirt. Like you ain't never made no bad decisions. Like you didn't never think that something was going to be one way and it turned out to be a different way. And in those moments, wouldn't you rather have compassion rather than judgment? So as believers, we need to get out of the business of blaming the victim when they're going through their suffering and their trials. And 
Remember, the enemy's ultimate purpose in this whole Job story is to get Job to curse God. And so in doing so, he used Job's friends, but also used who was closest to him, which was his wife. And she was tripping all the way back in chapter two. His wife said to him, the Bible says, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speak. Shall we indeed accept good from God and not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. Believers, I know that some of you are going through some things right now. And I say this out of love. I want to caution you to be mindful about what you say about God when you're going through. His wife said, curse God and die. In other words, God is only good when he's good to us. If I ain't got it going on, if I ain't got a pocket full of money, if I ain't got stability and security and, and all of these things and I don't have to worry, then God ain't worth, ain't worth nothing. It's basically what his wife's response was. She said, I loved God when I had everything, but as soon as I lost it all, bump him, curse him, and just die. Sometimes the people closest to you can cause you to stumble if you don't recognize how the enemy is at work. Let me tell you something. Satan will use anybody. He'll use anybody and especially those who are closest to you, whose opinion who you respect, whose, whose opinion you value. Okay. God will, Satan will allow, will use anybody, especially those closest to you to get you to trip up and curse God. So let me tell you this, believers, you cannot, I repeat, you cannot love God in pieces. He is not a buffet where you get to choose the parts that you like and discard the parts that you don't. If you love God, you love the whole God. You have to love the grace and mercy God the same way that you love the wrath God. It's the same God. The same God. And so you can't just love God and praise God when everything is everything. And then when you're going through, praise God for real. God is still good. God is still good. Which brings us to God is not man. Job says in chapter nine, verse two, he said, how can mere mortals prove their innocence before God? Though they wish to dispute with him, they could not answer him one time out of a thousand. Believers, not only is this about suffering and going through, but this is really truly about the character of God. God is sovereign. I watched that show on Netflix called The Crown about Queen Elizabeth, and they call her the sovereign. And I think to myself, oh, that's blasphemous, okay? Because sovereign means that power is absolute. Power is absolute. And so when we go to Exodus and God is having a conversation with Moses and that famous line, I am that I am, we love that part. We love that God because I am that I am means I am everything that you need. I am, I was in the beginning and the M, I am that I am, abundant resources. But what that also means is I can because I can. If God is I am that I am, he is also I can because I can. His power is absolute. And so I think about that. (laughs) I want you guys, believers, I want you to go on Google when you hear this. And I want you to Google, I said what I said. NeNe Leakes, okay, with her 
herself. <laughs> okay, Real Housewives. Nene does not bite her tongue. She said, I said what I said. Okay. She not, she not going back on her words. That's how God is. I said what I said. I am that I am. I can because I can. His power is absolute. Job is saying, what am I going to say to him? You don't want to curse God and die. What can I say to him? What can we don't we don't have a chance against him? And the thing is, is that when you recognize that God is not man, that his power is, is absolute, there's this old black church saying that your arms are too short to box with God. Job says, if it is a matter of strength, he is mighty. And if it is a matter of justice, who can challenge him? Verse 20, even if I were innocent, my mouth would condemn me. If I were blameless, it would pronounce me guilty. This is Job's saving grace. Even though he's going through Job's saving grace is that he truly recognizes the power of God. He recognizes that what I'm going through is of God's permission, not necessarily of his design, but he does realize that he has no right to challenge him, that he has no right to question him. Remember, I said you can ask God a question, but don't question him. Because when you question him, you're challenging his authority. Like, Lord, who are you to do this to me? What did I do to you? Y'all ain't homies. Y'all ain't boys. Y'all are not on that level. And so the blessing, Job's saving grace, is that he does not have a sense of entitlement. And what I mean by that is, in this country, we have what is called the myth of meritocracy. The myth of meritocracy is this. If I work hard, I deserve. That's the myth of meritocracy. If you come to this country and you, you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, you're going to make it. The myth of meritocracy is if I work hard, I deserve. Think about how often you've said that to yourself. I work hard. I deserve. I go to work every day. I deserve. Let's hold up a minute. Let's really break this down. I go to work every day. Who created the day? I go to work every day. Who created you? Who allows you to work? The Bible says in him, we move and breathe and have our being. And so ultimately, it all comes back to God. And here's the thing. When you fall into the myth of meritocracy, which is another trick from the pit, okay, which is another tool of the enemy. I work hard. I deserve. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. You can't do enough good to earn anything good from God. You can't do enough. You cannot buy your way. You can't earn your way. You can't hustle your way. You can't team no sleep your way into heaven. It does not work that way. We don't earn salvation. The Bible says it is a gift of God. Yeah, you went to school. Yeah. You know, you you apply for that job and you rocked out that interview and you got that promotion and things like that. But don't get it twisted. You cannot speak unless God allows you utterance. You can't get into your car. Do you know how many people are in their bed right now, sick and afflicted, can't move? My mama can't drive herself to work. Me and my aunt take turns getting her to and from work every day in a wheelchair. But once upon a time, she had all the use and activity and things like that. She could do that. Why is she not able to do that? Because it's under God's say so. 
brothers and sisters, I tell you this. You know, I always sometimes I, I have to, to tell you when I'm giving you tough love. Don't fall for the myth of meritocracy that because you work hard, you deserve. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with hard work. <laughs> you know, we reap what we sow. The Bible says if a man don't work, he should not eat. So Dr. Shante said we should just forget it. No, that is not what Dr. Shante said. I said what I said. <laughs> I said what I said, okay? I said, don't fall for the myth of meritocracy. Just make sure that you put things in proper perspective. And so here's the thing. We don't earn salvation, but because of salvation, because of salvation, if God chooses not to bless us any further, he's done enough. We like to sing that song in the church too. If he never does anything else for me, he's done enough. You know what salvation means? Let me put this in perspective. Okay, let's let's take a macro view. I do thank God that God allows me to take a macro view of things and not a micro view, which means I can step back and look at the big picture rather than the finer details, which honestly is kind of like my downfall details. But let's look at the big picture for a minute. Because of salvation, which means because Jesus came and died on the cross for your sins and for my sins and has made it possible for us to spend eternity in heaven with God. Because of that, if he chooses not to bless us further, he's done enough. Think about this. The span of man is what? On average, about 70 years, 75 years on average. And let's just say, you know, you live a good, good life and you live all the way to 100. That 100 years that you spend on this earth is nothing compared to the eternity that you are going to spend after you die, which means whether you go to heaven or to hell, when you've been there a million years, you are going to be there a million more. When you've been there a million years, you're going to be there a million more. And so that means that this 100 years, this 60, 70 years that we have on this side of life is nothing by comparison. So because of love, grace, and mercy, he blesses us in the earthly realm. He doesn't have to, but because he loves us, because he's gracious, because he's merciful, he does bless us in the earthly, earthly realm, not because we're good, but because he's good. So don't fall for the myth of meritocracy. Here's the thing. Here's how I want to end this episode. Job finishes out that chapter. He says, he is not a mere mortal like me that I might answer him, that we might confront each other in court. Can you, can you imagine you're going to take God to court? You're going to take God in front of Judge Mathis, in front of Judge Judy. You're going to take him to the people's court. He said, God is not like that. He says, if only there was someone to mediate between us, someone to bring us together, someone to remove God's rod from me so that his terror would frighten me no more. Then I would speak up without fear of him. But as it stands with me, I cannot. Job says, there is no court with whom I can bring God and say, why did you do this to me? Why did you allow this to happen to me? Why did you take my children? Why did you, why did you, why did you? He said, there is no court. There is no mediator. There is no court of appeal. God is the last say-so and his judgment is final. So believers, this book is less about Job and it's really more about God. Job did not handle this situation perfectly. He didn't. And we're not going to handle our trials perfectly. And God knows this because he knows how he made us. But the key here is recognition 
recognizing that number one, apart from him, we can do nothing. Number two, recognizing that our love for God should be predicated on who he is, not what he's done and what he's given us. The Bible says he first loved us. He first loved us. God's love for us is unconditional, meaning without condition. We don't deserve it. And recognizing that in matters of spiritual warfare, the enemy will use every weapon in the arsenal to break your faith in God. And Job 13, 15 says, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Your suffering is not arbitrary, believers. Your suffering is not willy nilly. God is not playing games with you because he doesn't have anything better to do. There's a purpose behind it. And the question is, can you trust him? during those times. And Job says, though he slays me, yet will I trust him. So now here's my favorite part of pod class where you get to tell me what you think about what Job is going through and your reactions to our episode. I think that don't ask why me, ask why not me. Mm. And although you feel like life is not fair, there's a reason for every season that to face difficulties you should still count it all joy and say um, while God allows you to be able to be in these difficult situations depression and grief you still count it all joy there's a reason behind it and you need to find out what that is there's a reason behind it and you need to find out what that is the thing is that is the question right (laughs) Shakespeare says to be or not to be that is the question the question is, what is God trying to teach me in this situation? What is that lesson? It's like, Lord, what is the lesson? Reveal it to me. The Bible says, if any man lack wisdom, let him ask God who will give it to you liberally. In other words, God has wisdom and abundance because he can't stand for you to be a fool. And here's the thing, folks, you know, believers, I'm, I'm talking straight up to believers right now, which means you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let's talk about that word for a minute. Fair. Fair. Let's talk about fair. Can you imagine Jesus walking through the door of your life, in your household, your job, and sitting down at your desk or in your living room, looking you dead in the eye and saying, do you really want to have a conversation about fair? Jesus wasn't taking his punishment up there on the cross. He wasn't up there for some sins that he had committed. He was up there for you. He was up there for me. He was taking one for the team. That wasn't fair. And yet, because he did it, we have hope. Because he did it, we have hope. So believers, I hope that this was an encouragement to you. I hope that it blessed you. You know you can hit me up at Dr. Shante Says on Twitter, on Instagram, and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to Believing Bigger with Dr. Shante. If you have any questions, comments, or just want to follow Dr. Shante, you can find her on Twitter and Instagram at Dr. Shante Says. Until next time, keep on believing bigger. <laughs>